0: And so much more. So, if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan, and I'm coming to you live from hometown Melbourne, Australia. I'm the host of the Founder Podcast. And today's guest is a funny, hilarious guy. Uh, He just, just thinking about this episode, because I usually, what happens is I I do these interviews and I do so many. To be honest, guys, sometimes it feels like a bit of a blur. Um, I'm just doing so many. And when I'm doing these interviews, I get in the moment, I'm just picking that person's brain, finding out how they're doing it, just extracting as much gold as I can for you guys. And I'm just looking at the screen and, and looking at Manisha's name, and I'm just laughing to myself because it was. I remember just having such a fun time speaking with him. He's just a funny guy. Uh, so he's the he's the founder of a company called Pavlok, which is a wearable device like a Fitbit, but it actually uh, you can use it to discipline yourself by shocking yourself. I'll, I'll let you guys can hear more about the product. It's really interesting and. And uh, yeah, he's just a hilarious guy, but uh, really fascinating story around how he's created this product. Uh, You know, he's he's funded it through Kickstarter. Then he has raised uh, raised some capital. He's been on Shark Tank. He's even got death threats since being on Shark Tank. Crazy story. Uh, This one's really fun, but always, as always, a ton of lessons to be learned. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you are enjoying this podcast, please do me a favor, leave us a review. Uh, Please do let your friends know. It helps more than you can imagine. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. All right, guys, that's it from me. I hope you have a fantastic day wherever you are and around the world. All right, now let's jump into the show. First question I ask everybody that comes on is, um, how'd you
1: get your job? Sure. Well, um, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to become CEO if you, if you start the company. So I got my job by, um, having a desire to build something new. So I, ever since I was young, I was, um, severely ADHD. I've always had trouble focusing. And I found that, um, as I got older, I started to find, I wanted to test and find ways to improve my, my focus. So I started a blog Uh, And um, people would vote on what I would do and where I would go. And I started doing experiments on myself to improve my productivity. And my um, biggest experiment was I hired someone to follow me around. And Every time I got off task, she would slap me in the face. And uh, I wrote five months of work in five days. I was like, wow. So I was like, this is amazing.
0: While that person
1: was slapping you. Yeah, the person was slapping me. So every time I would get off task, she sat down next to me. She's like, hey, Manish you're not writing. Why are you on Facebook? Hey, come on, get off Facebook and start writing. And so I found that having an accountability partner and having a slight amount of negative reinforcement led to a much more productive me. And in a lot of ways, a lot happier me because she only slapped me like once in the entire week. It was more like having someone there was like having a personal coach next to me. And I wanted to see if I could help this, like help people also have that. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Nathan? like, yeah, yeah. And so it was like, this is incredible. Having somebody just with me during periods of focus is way easier than me trying to focus alone. Um, what if I could help other people? Um, but slapping doesn't scale. So I was like, what if we got like a, like a dog zapper that could make me focus every time I went on Facebook. So that was the idea. Uh, I wrote about it a couple times and then a incubator, which is a hardware, um, company that uh, I and in, that invested a little bit of money in my company. Um, they invited me to move to Boston in order to actually build the device in August of 2013. And so that's how I got my job.
0: Yeah, gotcha. And before, like, cause we've spoken before, I interviewed you for the magazine in the early days when I first started, found up, um, hacked the system. You, you were pretty much just like traveling around and stuff, right? Like you were like a nomad, yeah? And you, I remember you were just making money, just like, just doing money online, making money online stuff, but just kind of traveling and, and nomading around.
1: Yeah, so that blog, hack the system, was where I started to do those experiments. It was a travel blog where I would let my readers vote where I went and what I did, and the tagline was like "cheap codes for life." How do you solve a problem in the fastest way? And it's always been my mentality since I'm a kid, since I was a kid. Uh, how can I solve a problem in the fastest way? And ironically, that's like the opposite of what my own internal metrics of success were, because my own internal metrics of success were. How do I get myself to sit down and work on a project without getting distracted? And I could never do that. So I would always wait to the last minute. And then last minute, I would do something and it would be pretty, pretty good quality. Um, and so hack the system was about kind of like, how can I let well it's mostly about how can I travel, right? And how can I just like do what I'm doing and write about what I'm doing. But it evolved into this, like, experimentation platform where i started loving watching how other people would take the 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 stuff i would do and translate it into their own lives and so ever since i grew up i always wanted to build stuff that would help other people but like to be honest uh, i really wanted to build stuff that would help me that would help me stay focused on tasks and that's kind of how i got into my my current job of uh being the ceo of padlock
0: yeah i see and before hack the system, like what did you, did you do like, um, so you obviously went to uni cause you seem like a pretty well-educated guy. You actually went to university or college or mm-hmm. you, like you studied, did you, did you work full time in, in corporate? Have you ever done corporate?
1: Um, so I started Pavlock. All right. I started hack the system. Uh, when I was, here's what happened. I was studying abroad in Florence, Italy with, with my university, which is Stanford university. Um, I was studying abroad in Florence, Italy, and I found out that you could just take time off from Stanford and they would just let you keep traveling you can come back with no problems. So I decided to take two years off while I was studying abroad. Um, and I started hack the system during that two year period. And so that was kind of how I got started. And it was this like in between phase that really was nice for me. So I started there and then I kept it going as soon as, uh, I went back for a few months and then I kept it going. Mm, yeah got you I see so you never finished your your degree can I tell you something cool two things cool number one I finished my degree three weeks ago so (laughs) I just graduated I just graduated Stanford I actually graduated. I actually finished my degree um, in 2011 I went back and finished it and then I just didn't file the paperwork to graduate Uh, and then I just got yesterday and I haven't told like my Facebook friends I haven't told my mom this yet um, I just got accepted to Harvard University, which is in Boston, where I'm based. And I'll be doing a master's in the clinical psychology program in their extension school. So I'm actually doing a lot of work um, on Pavlok, which is about how do we help people change their habits. And I get to do it not just with my company, but also with Harvard as well.
0: Yeah, wow, that's really cool, dude. So you, you must be a pretty smart guy to get into Harvard, man.
1: Um, I mean, another way, it's another way of hacking the system. And like, there's a, a way to get uh, into Harvard. That's um, a lot easier than you'd think. It's called the extension school. And they like, it's a pretty powerful way to get a degree from Harvard without having to actually be doing the difficult process of Harvard. But yeah, I'll say, I mean, I'm going to put forward that, yes, I'm a smart person, um, but I don't think I'm doing anything that most people couldn't do.
0: Hmm. Interesting. And, um, you know, most founders, once they start their company, they don't really go back to university. Why, why are you, man?
1: Hmm. I hadn't started my company yet. I was still just doing a blog and I really, really, no, no right now. Oh, um, the reason I'm going to Harvard right now is because, uh, I found that it was a thing that was, Uh, Because I do a product that helps people with their psychology, that helps people with their habits, that helps people. And uh, we have, so basically we're trying to run, we're trying to run studies on our users. And it's pretty lame if a uh, non-graduated person is trying to talk about how he helps people change habits and talks about like from a medical context. Uh, So I really wanted to run studies. And I found that instead of paying millions of dollars to do a clinical trial, why not just become a student and do it for free? So that was like, uh, and it's, yeah. so it's in my city and I'm learning and it's like, it's in my city and it's a lot of fun. And I get to connect with these Harvard professors and such, but, um, you know, it's one of those things that just happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that makes it a
0: no brainer, man. Um, yeah. question though, do you have product people like in your team that, that can help you with that kind of stuff? My homework. No. Well, yeah, kind of. Yeah your, home, yeah, your homework, kind of running tests, just because this is product development, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, do, do the people listening know what
0: Pavlock is? Yeah, let's talk about Pavlock first. Yeah,
1: let's do that. Yeah, I mean, let me kind of describe it. So, um, so what I currently do is I kind of took that idea of accountability and a slight amount of negative reinforcement, and I added it to a wearable device that helps you change your habits. Uh, it's a device called Pavlock. It's named after Ivan Pavlov and it uses vibration as a positive reinforcer or a reward. It adds uh, audio sounds as a reminder and it uses a mild electric stimulus that we call a zap as a way to stop bad habits, a punisher or a negative reinforcer. And so what it does is it basically lets you set goals both in your app, both programming it through the motion of your hand or getting access to a friend or loved one to help you stay accountable to your habits, both with tracking accountability and a negative stimulus that makes sure you stick to your goals. So that was the, um, that's the product. And it's basically a way to break bad habits is kind of a, the core of it. Um, and then I already forgot your question. What was your question?
0: My question was like, do you have a product person? Like oh, a product, product person? Is. Cause like a lot of, you know, I guess, startups Like, like the founder, like it depends on the kind of founder, right? Whether you're a product person, you know, whether you're a marketing person, whether you're, you know, a finance person, like, but I guess my, my question is, do you have people in your team to help with product and, and can like, can you get them to, yeah.
1: Yeah. So hardware is a kind of a different beast than most products um, because hardware is like seven different startups in one. It's like you have a software team that makes an iOS app and then a the software team that makes an Android app. And then you have a hardware electrical design person, then you got a mechanical engineer, then you gotta have a fulfillment person, then you gotta have a manufacturing person. It's like way too many people in the customer service, and then you gotta have like marketing and like it's like it's multiple startups in one. Um, and so why I will say that um I am definitely a product CEO. Um, I'm definitely a vision, like a, like I have the vision for the company, but I'm not like the person who does the like the 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 sales or anything. Um, so I want to find a perfect product person, but until today, I'm still kind of the core product person. Um, but I do have a team that builds the product out, and they definitely like my team and i are are equals. So we'll work together to design what we need designed. Uh, but i I don't have a product manager if that's what you mean.
0: Yeah, gotcha. And so you started the company in two thousand and thirteen, or you started working on this product. When did you go live with it? Because you you've you've done a lot of stuff with crowdfunding, which I think is very very smart um, to validate it and and I get essentially fund. Like so, talk to me about you know when you launched and and the you've done heaps of crowdfunding campaigns, right? Like you're doing one right now, yeah?
1: Yeah, we're in our third campaign right now. Yeah. So, um, I found crowdfunding to be really powerful. Um, I found that people who raise a lot of money from venture capitalists often destroy their business while they do so. And I didn't want that to happen to me because it's those times where you have too much money that you do stupid things. Like juicero is this really famous example from the the present time. They made this like juicing product. It's a hardware device that juices your juice. And the thing is it's as effective as just squeezing your hands together but they spent, but it, but it costs seven hundred bucks to buy it because they use the worst ever manufacturing techniques. And so, like um with I found that when my back is against the wall, we come up with our best ideas. So being lean can be really powerful. so I, I would say that like uh, that like the ability of crowdfunding was that it lets us interface not with venture capitalists who are looking for return, but with customers and and users who are looking to change their lives in the way that you want to help them change their lives. And crowdfunding, so we've done three. We're in the middle of our third. Uh, we did Pavlock 1, which happened in October 2014. That was Pavlock, the first product that was focused on breaking bad habits. Then we uh, launched Shock Clock, which was an iteration of a similar product called uh, Shock Clock, and it was focused on helping you wake up in the morning. And now we're launching Pavlock 2. Uh, that's the campaign that's going on right now, which is really freaking cool in my opinion. And uh, it's basically a um, hardware, it's a behavioral change platform, which lets us and other developers make apps that help you achieve your goals using both software reminders, as well as hardware haptic feedback, like vibration beep and zap. And so right now I'm kind of trying to culminate everything I've been doing into like a good, like a product that will last. That can be like my MacBook Pro, you know, like that top level product that I think is going to be the thing that drives us to the future. But most importantly, what I, 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 the first crowdfunding campaign was all about like learning what users care about and every crowdfunding campaign is the same because users are going to fund things they like. And if they don't like it, and especially if they don't understand it, they're going to ask questions on your crowdfunding campaign, which means that we get the chance to kind of see those questions and modify our campaign before we actually build the product. Uh, so I found that crowdfunding is a really, really effective way to get people to help uh, – to get people you know, to, to both explore business and to make money. Like we did 285000 in our first campaign. We did 343000 in our second campaign. Like, that's a lot of money. Um, for pre- and, and the thing about hardware is that uh, the timing of money is really important because you have a lot of expenses on inventory. So when you get um, you know crowdfunding money – I value crowdfunding money at 1.5x the dollar amount because you get the money up front – because you get the money up front, way before you need to actually build it, so you actually get that money, and um, uh, you don't have to d- pay your suppliers on day one. A lot of other people will pay their suppliers on day one, and then their customers pay them later, so that the a- so that actually the more that they sell, the faster they go bankrupt, which is a fascinating concept. Uh, yeah, cash flow is key, right? Cash flow is far different than cash. And so cash – like Indiegogo campaigns and, and Kickstarter campaigns let you uh, develop – it's the world's best cash flow mechanism. Agreed. But also it's a, it's, just, it's just good in every way. There's nothing bad about it. It's all perfect.
0: I agree. <laughs> um, we did a crowdfunding campaign. Yeah. Yeah. We did really well. And, and hey, we'll we're probably doing do another right? one too. Yeah. Yeah. Kirsten helped yeah. us
1: as well. Yeah. Yeah. The same person. Cool. Yeah.
0: So um, – yeah, we're going to do another one probably early next year which um for a totally different product, not not founder version 2.0, but totally different product and yeah, I is believe it a, it's a course, one of the best
1: ways. Of course is it? No, it's going to be okay, another wait.
0: physical product. We're getting into the physical products now, man. Um
1: Dude, I want to talk to you about that maybe probably on another call. Um but like we might be able to we start have another time. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, for sure, for sure. So I think crowdfunding is one of the best ways to validate a product and also give yourself a really good runway if it is successful. Um, it's, a f- it's a great launch pad to start. So so Pavlok 1, was that your launch pad? That was the first time you sold a Pavlok?
1: Uh, I had pre-sold alpha and beta units in order to get to the Pavlok 1. Um, so we started our first, like, our company has been um, a consistent sufferer of almost death, followed by me figuring out something to make us survive. Followed by learning a lot from that experience. So like the first time we got our first 40 alpha units in, uh, and I had zero, to, I had like $3,000 left in my bank account and I had $10,000 in owables. And, uh, I was like, how am I going to survive? Okay, well all of my advisors and mentors were telling me that I had to give out my product for free and they were like, you haven't even put a skew on it. You haven't done testing. You're, you're going to go like, you're going to get in trouble. And I'm like, look, dude, like if I don't sell this, I'm going to die. It's irrelevant if I don't have the ability to survive. And so my, with my back against the wall, I hosted a webinar for my alpha units, 40 of them. We mm-hmm. did $25,000 in one night. And, wow. it, sur- and made it, it made the company survive. And uh, this has happened like three or four times where like when we finally built Pavlok uh, and we were about to ship it to our customers, like we had made $283,000 or $284,000 on our campaign. That's a lot of money. And we had spent that nine months to a year building the product. And then we're about to ship it And then we looked at the inventory costs and the cost to just buy the already sold product was like 130 or $140,000. And I was like, Oh my God, we can't do this. Like, this is ridiculous. I've already spent that money. Right. Um, So so I looked at the board. Our team was like really scared because we didn't know what to do. And we sat together and we were like, wait, what happens if we take off these non necessary components? What happens if we take off the accelerometer? What happens if we take off the battery detector? turns out we were able to save about, nine dollars per unit dropped the cost of the entire purchase order to much less than it would have been and like that had we raised a lot of capital we would have just shipped the more expensive product instead we had to make the decision of what really mattered and i found that like that um constraints breed creativity so i like having constraints in all forces of life
0: Hmm. interesting so at what point did you go on Shark Tank? Can we just talk about that? Because that, that was really interesting to me. I thought it was quite funny when I saw – because, you know, we've known each other for a while kind of, you know, mm-hmm. we haven't spoken in a while, but, you know, we kind of just – I've always seen what you're up to and, and you've kind of, I guess, seen what I'm up nice. to, founder. And, you know, I did – you know, we're, we have a great mutual friend, Daniel, and um mm-hmm. He has a tattoo
1: of Pavlok on his chest.
0: Yes, yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd love to hear the story behind that as well. But I guess tell me about like at what point was so – so what, what I really would like to understand is you do these crowdfunding campaigns and, you know, you do, you know, Pavlok 1, you've got your runway, you ship out, and then do you like – do you keep selling Pavlok One to the public, or do you go back to the drawing board and you go, "Yep, yeah, let's do shot Clock and then you sell? You did the crowdfunding campaign, you you work that out, then you go back to the drawing board and you just keep iterating, or or do you have these like old SKUs and you sell them, or or are you doing it literally like how Apple did, where you know Apple, you know the Apple One discontinues, then we move to Lisa, you know, you know what I mean? Like like, can you talk to us about that because because it sounds like you.
1: Yeah, I, so one thing I really like about Pavlok is that it's extremely versatile. And uh, for readers who are, are, are listening right now, um, it's like, I mean, it's a, pro, it's a product that vibrates beeps and zaps, right? That's what it does. And um, about a month into our crowdfunding campaign, so I originally it was a device that zapped you when you did something wrong. So if I go on Facebook, zap me. If I bite my nails, zap me. But then, about a year, about uh, one month into our two-month crowdfunding campaign, we discovered that there was a litany. It's a great word. Good job. Mitch. There was a litany of uh, literature of clinical studies that had been done on the efficacy of using aversive conditioning. That's um, adding a, a strong zap or a negative smell while you do something bad. You ever get like really drunk on tequila or have any of your friends get really drunk on tequila and then suddenly after one night they never drink tequila again for like many years or the rest of their lives? Yeah, that's me. That's you, right, tequila? Yeah. And you feel like if you think about it or smell it, there's like a feeling in the pit of your stomach. Yep. they kind of like – and it's the pit. It's always the pit. And that same part, that's called an aversion. And it's visible in the brain. And it's actually an FDA-approved type of way to quit bad habits. And we didn't know about this for over a year until we were halfway through our crowdfunding campaign. And when I stumbled on this, I was like, holy crap. The the results were insane. Like the one on smoking was, um, so normal people who are trying to quit smoking have a 5% success rate after a year if they are, um, if they try to quit cold turkey. And if they use Nicorette patches or nicotine patches, do you want to guess what their success rate is? It's higher than five, but do you want to guess what it is? 10 7.5 percent effective yeah, or wow. my favorite ads of all time it's 50 percent more effective than quitting cold turkey right um meanwhile this one study we stumbled on showed that five days of of, of an electric zap while smoking a cigarette for two pack a day smokers led to 60 percent success rate at a year follow up. 60. it was insane more than half of people quit smoking in five days and I was like, holy crap. It was all self-administered zap. It was five days of pressing the button on a machine. In this was a 1988 study. While they smoked a cigarette, they'd have to do it for several minutes and put, and they couldn't stop. They had to keep, they had not make it painful. That makes sense. And those results were so high that it totally pivoted the company. It was like, okay, we have to move away from this, like it knows company because we had a very poor software team. And Instead, the self-administered zap is actually far more effective. Let's try that out. So we did, and we found insane results. So we're talking about quitting smoking, quitting nail biting, quitting hair picking, quitting uh, negative foods. I stopped eating tortilla chips. There's videos of me online zapping myself while I eat tortilla chips. I can't, I can't even do it anymore. Um, things like the, those things, it was, it was so cursing. What else was the most common, Uh, So cursing was the most common. Then we started noticing that a lot of users were asking us about waking up early and that one of my close friends told me that he put it on top of his alarm on, on top of his phone and that when he woke up in the morning, he had trouble getting out of bed but he didn't have too much trouble just like pressing the button to zap himself awake and that the zap would knock him out of like the snooze cycle if you know what I'm saying. So we took that information and from our users asking us about alarms and specifically from my friend I said, hey, let's build a simple alarm clock app. Let's make an app that you can set a timer and it's gonna zap you awake at X o'clock. And the results were insane. We had like 30 people emailing us saying, I used to be a night owl, but now I'm a morning person. I wake up before the alarm even goes off. It was crazy. And the same sentence that I just said in every one of those emails. And I was like, holy crap, this is a big deal. Let's ask, let, let's release this app to, our, to, more, uh, to more users and what if we like created our product just as like a simplified alarm clock we called it the shock clock a device that tracks your sleep wakes you up in the morning your light stage of sleep and then make sure you get out of bed using the electric zap plus our internal sensors that if you need it will make sure you do jumping jacks before the alarm turns off and that was where shot clock came from so even though i'm giving you a very long explanation my point is we don't have, our company's not very good at planning ahead of time, but we're very adaptable. So we learn from our users and we use that information to help create, craft the next product and craft the next thing we do.
0: Yeah, gotcha. So to um, answer my question, that sounds like you're not selling currently Pavlock 1 or Shock Clock or
1: you are still? We are still. Yeah, we're still selling both. Um, they're, they're on our website and we're, we just announced Pavlock 2. So we sold about 50,000 units of Pavlock and Shot Clock, yeah uh, wow. in total, um, which like, as I think about it, is actually pretty cool. Good job. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. That... Good job. Yeah, <laughs> it's always because like it, internally during the day, right, like I'm always a failure and I always hate myself. And in the middle of the day, we're never, we never have enough money and it's always like a self-running conversation in my head. But like, realistically, we're doing something kind of cool and kind of crazy. And um, we've moved these 50,000 units and uh, people love it, people who use it, Get insane results, and you have to be a little bit crazy to be an early adopter of a device that zaps you, right? Um, so these people are finding, but like the the way that people use it is massively interesting. But like the stories we hear, like one guy used it to stop uh, to to stop talking to like stop using Bumble and stop using Tinder, so he could stop dating people. So he zapped himself for five days and made himself go on the app, and he stopped doing it. Then a second person used it to get over an ex girlfriend, which I started using before. Um, zapping yourself whenever you think about her. And then I have one story, and then, and, then, and then we found another person who used it to start talking to girls. So he went to a mall for five days, and he said, if a pretty girl walks by me, I'm really shy, I wanna to talk to her, I'm gonna make myself talk to her, or else I have to zap myself five times. And by the day five, he had a girlfriend, it was so cool. Um, <laughs> so like people, it, all it is is like, realistically, it's just a, uh, it's a surprise that we made something that's so versatile. But the ZAP, what it does is a new sensory input that just knocks you aware. And that makes people able to be human in a variety of ways. You can both stop and start memories. You can both start and stop dating. And that's a really interesting thing that I still haven't even, like, hasn't even coalesced into my understanding yet, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, so, like, I'm still learning what our product can do. Before we get into the Shark
0: Tank piece, because this kind of tees up nicely, uh, have you raised capital – um, you, you said that you, didn't, you don't like to, but it sounds like you don't own 100% of the company. Can you talk to me around that side of things?
1: Yeah, sure. So I started the company uh, giving away 10% for $50,000. And um, that was how I got into the incubator. And that like, was – so I raised a total of like uh, just about half a million dollars over 2013, 2014. Yes. I think raising money makes sense if you, have, if you need money to build a product. I don't think raising money makes sense if you have a product because you should be selling first before you go raising money. So that's why I didn't want to. Sell, I didn't want to raise any money since twenty fourteen. Um, so it's been almost three. I mean, I guess two and a half years, and I haven't uh, raised any capital since. It took one point two million dollars to make the first padlock. Hardware is expensive. Yeah, gotcha. Um, and you say you have investors. Yeah, I have um, a bunch of investors. Actually, some people you might know. Um, I have John Romanello, Dave Asprey, my brother Ramit. Sati, um, Matthew Kepnis, uh, Steve cam from nerd fitness, Sean Ogle from location Rebel. So a lot of my old contacts were able to, 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 to help me raise capital. But I would say, um, you know, I mean, I, I mean, depending on who you are, uh, depending on the product you're trying to build, you have to show, you know, that you're going to deliver a return. So, um, yeah, so th- that we raised about half a million dollars. All of it was in 2013 and 2014. Yes. And, um, yeah.
0: Got you. So talk to me about Shark Tank. Like what was the play there? Was it publicity? Uh, you were looking for funding from one of the sharks? Because um, I saw like, you know, like uh, it was pretty funny, man, like what, what you did, bro. Um, of oh, funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the way you describe it. Was, <laughs> like, well, it was funny like because I'd never seen somebody kind of be like, yeah, now nah, you're out, like like actually telling the sharks they were out. It was interesting. It was interesting to like, you know, so, so talk to me about that, man, because I know, you know, um, some stuff happened with Mark Cuban and, and and, yeah, we won't go into it too much, um, because, you know, we're a big fan of Mark, um, here at Foundry. Are you? Yeah. Oh, great. So yeah, let's, let just, just talk to us about the Shark Tank experience. Was it worth it? Was it not worth it?
1: Um, I think in the last year, so I went live about a year ago. Um, let me tell you the quick story. All right. I, they asked me to be on Shark Tank in 2014. I said no. They asked me again to be on Shark Tank, and I was like, okay. So I came in 2015 to be on Shark Tank. Why did you say no? Like we were gonna do it, but then we we like 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 a couple weeks before, I'm just like, we're not ready. The product isn't ready. It's too early. Um, and so we came back and did it again, and we did the Shark Tank thing. Um, and and I should be clear by the way, I, I it wasn't just me saying no. It was both both Shark Tank and us were like, this is not the right timing. Let's talk next year. And I came back a year later to do the show, and uh, so Shark Tank had been trying to get me on the show because it's a very compelling product um, that could be very good for TV. And we go to do the show, and we had done a study in 2014. uh, I think it was 2014. Might have been early 2015, where we had taken one that 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 smoking study I mentioned earlier, and we reproduced it with a small group of pilot, a small pilot group of people to try to show those effects. And we had uh, six out of eight people quit smoking. In, uh, after uh, after uh, one week of using the product. And that's a big deal. That's a great study we've done. And about a week or two before I go on Shark Tank, I get a call from my contact, and they're like, you're not allowed to talk about tobacco. You can't talk about it on the, on the, on the TV show. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, this is my study. How am I supposed to do with this? So I get to the show, and I'm trying to do the show, and I talked about the old previous studies that, like, we had t- found 21 clinical trials that made aversive conditioning an FDA-approved type of therapy to quit addictions, and I always describe it like this: Mark, uh, you ever seen Lion King? Yeah. So Mark Cuban is Mufasa, and Mr. Wonderful is Scar, and the other three are hyenas. And so, um, and so, interestingly, like related to this, before I was on the show, Damon John had used our product and had quit, at least, had quit one bad habit. Then he's quit two serious bad habits since. Uh, in total and I couldn't be on the show with him because he already knew who I was. Yeah um, So meanwhile, uh, I get to the show and if you watch it It's like I give my pitch and uh, I talk about the previous studies and Mark Cuban doesn't like it He would not even try it the other three besides mr Wonderful are like nodding their head and then mr Wonderful is like got his like uh, mr. Burns fingers doing that like tackling thing and um so Mark Cuban just doesn't like me. I think it's because uh, of the – I think it's like alpha dog, alpha dog on stage. I don't know what it was. But he's like, what the hell? You're a con artist. You're trying to use past studies as your own? And I'm like, dude, like this is how science is done. Uh, So Shark Tank edited it a lot and uh, Mark Cuban didn't like it. And then it changed the conversation in the room so the other three, the hyenas, didn't like it. And then Mr. Wonderful's there just like waiting because he knows it's a good idea with a powerful possibility. And he gives me an offer that was the I asked for half a million dollars and he offered me half a million dollars. And I always view like having a found like having a partner in business is more of a commitment than having a, a wife or husband. Like I'd rather get married to the wrong person than take the wrong investor. Mm. And so I told Mr. I told Mr. Wonderful, I can't work with you because that would be just it just wouldn't be – it's just not okay. Like I can't – because the way that I view the world is not about making money. It's about helping people change their habits. And so he looks at me and he goes, F you, you a-hole. F you.
0: <laughs> but that was edited out.
1: No, I mean they bleeped it. But oh. if you watch the episode, it's there. I mean yeah. that's why, that's why I was the season finale. I was the most viewed ever clip. Yeah, uh, wow. and, and so what's – so here's what happened, man. So I, I posted an article about why I turned him down and Shark Tank Legal said I had to take it down. And for the last year, I haven't been allowed to write about it at all or talk about it. And just last week, my embargo ended, so I'm finally allowed to tell the story, right? Yeah, wow. So, yeah, it's kind of freak, it's screwed up, right? I'm, and then Mark Cuban's on TV. Uh, he was on NPR in December saying, um, "I hate con artists like Manish." He was on, and then he was like, uh, like like Pavlock. And then he said it again on Access Hollywood. I'm like, dude, it's been 15 months. Why do you know my name and why are you talking about my company by name? Like, that's incredible, but weird. And so. Um, that's that's my story about about Shark Tank. <laughs> yeah, well, crazy. But you said also that you get death threats, man. Yeah, man. I get death threats. Um it's, so the, the first hour after Shark Tank, uh basically thirty like it was over thirty people left a one star fake Amazon review. It tanked the score of our product from like four point eight stars to like two point nine stars. Uh it really led to like massive problems. And then we started getting death threats like just people who are like, you're so stupid. Like, it started off like, "Just you're so stupid. You should have taken the money, Mr. Wonderful said. You're stupid. Like, go kill yourself. Like, okay, those are like whatever death threats. But then they started getting really bad. Like, I'm going to kill you. And I started getting those, like, daily. That's scary, man. Scary, man. Yeah, exactly. Especially because my address is, like, public and stuff. So, like, uh, so that became kind of annoying. (laughs) I don't know what to say about that. It's just, like, I kept getting death threats, and then... Uh, right now, like we were just on a repeat of Shark Tank yesterday, but, um, you know, what, what I found is really powerful. And I think it might be, you know, everyone, I, I don't know, uh, um, we launched that product and had we gotten super successful, we would have had, um, probably a competitor by now. But mm. I think it's also like given us a little bit of a smoke grenade where like, um, people like there's nobody using this app and I don't even understand why. Cause it's so powerful and it's like, I think it's, it might, maybe in my long run, it's going to be part of the story and all that stuff. But like, um, it was, it's been a rough year.
0: Yeah. Got you, man. Um, so do you think it's worth it to go on shows like that or not?
1: I mean, I don't think you should ever turn down an episode of Shark Tank, but I don't think it's as big a deal as people think it is like that same month. I, okay. So 6 million people watch Shark Tank and the same month I had a small little uh, positive snippet in the New York times. And we did three times the amount of money from that small one day snippet than we have done with Shark Tank. So getting a better, getting a positive story. Um, I don't think Shark Tank is the end all be all. In fact, uh, I think it's a, I don't think it's actually a big deal at all. I think it's just a marketing thing that could happen. And you might as well, like, I think that you should probably take the deal the Shark Tank wants you on the show. I think you should. But um, I don't think it's like a thing that's the end game. I think it's just a part of your marketing process. Yeah, got you.
0: Okay. Awesome. Well, um, talk to me about one thing I think you've done a really, really good job at is getting well known people um to use a product and get it in front of them. And like, you know, uh even when I watched your first crowdfunding video for Pavlock One, which I backed, dude, I was super impressed. You know, you got so many people, you got so much press, all these people talking. Like it is a crazy cool product. It's very interesting, fascinating. But what are you doing to – are you actively networking? How hardcore do you have a PR agency? You're doing it all yourself? Like, yeah, you do a very good job at that, man. I've always been very impressed.
1: Thank you. I I would say the same about you. Um, I got asked by a lot of people after my first campaign how to make a – they were like, could you do a PR course or something? And I'm like, look, if you want to make people – if you want to get press to talk about your product, develop something that shocks them. And I know, I know that's like a funny joke, right? But like also the word shock in this context means something that's really interesting to talk about, because if you're writing content about, um, if you're a news reporter, you don't want to freaking write another post about, you don't want to write about some digital course that's online. You know, if you're on the New York Times, you don't want to write about that. But if you hear about something exciting, like a digital course that's changed this person's life or a digital course that morphed into a story, like, the, I don't know. It's just, it's easy. If to me, I find it easier to come up with a, a, a um, shocking idea than it is to, um, craft. I don't, know, than just, I don't know. I just find digital boring. And I find that there's a lot of ways that people don't look at like another way to build stuff. And it's never been easier to invent than now. And so, um, but my answer is I don't have an answer. I I think I've gotten bad at PR in the last year. Uh, I feel like I've lost my edge because like, We had, so I have a lot of connections and I got those connections through a few years of, of hack the system, but like, that wasn't it. It was like one, so every Kickstarter uh, campaign we've ever done has the same, um, context. It's like, you start off on the first day, nobody buys it or just your email list buys it. And then on the second day, nobody buys it. It's like small amounts of sales and I'm sad and depressed and I'm like, all right, well, I'm done. I'm done. I got to go home and live with my parents, eat Indian food every freaking day. And then the third day or so, like somebody posts about it, like TechCrunch or some uh, or The Verge or some uh, big online thing, and then it becomes this cascading, snowballing effect. While everybody wants to tell a story, so like a good web, a good book to read is Ryan Holiday's book on um, Catch Don't or Trust Me, I'm Lying, I think is the name of the book. Yeah, um, about how to like uh, I'll, I don't know if you know this, but he and I went to middle school together. Uh, but uh, kind of figuring out how to craft a story is It's impressive and then being consistent about telling that story is impressive and then finding where people will be is impressive. So like I found it very valuable to go to Sundance Film Festival because I got like photos of like me with like 20 celebrities, you know, at the same time. And then um, those like places where you might go to find those people are really powerful. Um, yeah. So I'm, that's what I see on the PR front. I'm not, and I think the world has changed in the last three years. Like I can't believe we're not just doing daily Trump things, you know, like that stuff is going viral all the time. Um, so you can look for uh, what's going on in the pr- present moment. But like, I think that's a really good way to look at PR too. Like if you, you inventions are great, but like looking at how it connects, like we just started a video series where it's like how Trump could improve his own presidency by using padlock, like that sort of stuff uh, can carry into the media a lot better.
0: Mm, yeah, gotcha. Okay, awesome. Um, well man, look, we have to work towards wrapping up. I guess um sure. final question for you is uh, where's the best place that uh, people can find out more about Pavlov? This will probably go live after your campaign. Um we've sure. got a bit of a backlog, but um yeah, dude, um this has been really fun, interesting conversation I really appreciate your transparency man like um really great openness fascinating story dude and um yeah where can people more uh find out more about uh, your work
1: Um I'm going to send you I'm going right, to go to pavlock.com/founder with no e yep and I'll uh, I'll have a page up for um explaining more about it and getting context to to this call Gotcha and uh, so you... pavlock.com is pavlock p a v l o k it's like pavlov but with a k instead of a v yep and forward slash f-o-n-d-r f-o-u-n-d-r
0: yep gotcha and you're going to do a special discount for our for i usually got a special gift or, or what are you doing
1: yeah i'm definitely going to have a special discount for you guys depends on when this goes live yep. uh we can, either, we can either throw you guys out pavlock two or give you guys like pavlock one with a couple of accessory bands or like a two for one or something like that so i'll know more about that when you give me a date uh but yeah you're gonna get a special deal special discount and realistically like um I'm not a sales company. I don't give a shit about money. And that was the thing that was really disconcerting on on Shark Tank. Um, We measure our value in number of habits changed. And we have a goal of 10 million habits in 10 years. And so everything we care about is how do we help people achieve the goals they set for themselves. So if you can't afford the product, like just shoot me an email. I'll put my email on the page um, and we'll figure something out. Because if you're actually willing to do like a little bit of effort to make yourself change your habit, I'm willing to help you as well.
0: Yeah, well, that's amazing, man. Well, thank you so much, brother. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Grena Van Riel